The midterms are finally upon us. This is the week of November 5th. Welcome to Grand Divisions, a special episode. I'm Joel Ebert. I'm Joey Garrison. I'm Natalie Allison. We're going to do a quick hit episode today, uh, just to recap the last few days of the election and then offer a couple of insights uh, as we head into uh, the general election tomorrow. Uh, So first off, Natalie, kick us off the bat with what went on with early voting totals. How many people voted in this state in the first two weeks of early voting? Yeah. So, so far uh, in those those two weeks of early voting, we had 1,378,840 people vote. That was just 50,000 fewer people than in all of the 2014 midterms. Joey, why is 2014 tough to compare it to? Yeah, I mean, so turnout is uh, up, as Natalie said. Of course, you know, we're comparing that to 2014 when we really didn't have much of an election here. It was Gordon Ball, Democrat versus Lamar Alexander, longtime incumbent. He won easily by like two to one. And then you had Governor Haslam in his reelection bid against uh, a no-name candidate, Charlie Brown. So you didn't really see this the campaign activity like you have in this election. As we've talked about many times, you have more than $50 million in outside spending here uh, for the U.S. Senate race uh, to try to get uh, you know, both helping Blackburn and Bredesen. Plus, on top of that, you have uh, the governor's race to replace Haslam. So you have two open, uh, largely competitive elections for U.S. Senate and governor. We haven't seen anything like that in this state uh, really in 12 years. And even then, that was uh, just Bredesen's re-election bid at the time. It wasn't an open governor's race. So really, this is a confluence of two major elections of the same year. You also have uh, a whole slew of new people that have moved to the state. I mean, Nashville has been a hub for several years for new residents, uh, both young and older folks. So they're probably getting registered to vote and finally getting excited and activated yeah, and to participate. Not, not surprisingly, you see Davidson County as well as Wilson, Rutherford, and Williamson dominating uh, the, the, ter- the turnout with the highest turnout so far. That's kind of, I believe, the historic norm. Uh, but as you say, those are areas where, where most people are moving mm-hmm. in this state. And, uh, you know, I think it's... Uh, perhaps going to be the real battleground of this election and go a long ways in deciding who wins. Final day of early voting here in Davidson County. Um, we saw hours worth of lines at one of the polling places. Uh, tell us a little bit about at, that. At almost all of them in Davidson County. All of them. County. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so in Southeast Nashville, the polling site there stayed open until uh, I think the last voter was d- done at 10, 15 p.m. I was texting the election uh, administrator who was following it. And, you know, they said they hadn't seen anything like it and are expecting similar sort of uh, historic turnout on uh, Election Day on Tuesday. I Uh, mean, that's clearly a good sign for Phil Bredesen. Yeah, it is. But also keep in mind that Williamson had the highest turnout and then mm-hmm. and that's historically a Republican uh, stronghold. He also had again Rutherford uh, with Murfreesboro there and mm-hmm. Wilson with Mount Juliet and Lebanon and others uh, cities uh, with very high turnout as well. Um, you know you guys wrote about uh, the, the importance the, the Nashville suburbs will have in this race and really you know I think you know, I still think that the Bredesen has to outperform how Democrats normally do in those counties if he's going to compete uh, on Tuesday. I still, I'm, I'm one of thinking that the, a lot of these rural counties where maybe Bredesen won in 2002 uh, when he was first elected governor. I think that the politics has changed so much mm-hmm. since then for a, for a Democrat to compete 
in some of these counties. And instead, he's going to have to make up ground in these suburbs that had such high turnout. Natalie, what do election officials anticipate for Election Day in terms of turnout? Well, Mark Owens at the Secretary of State's office, he is the coordinator of elections. He says that he expects there to be about as many people on Tuesday coming out to vote as there were in the whole early voting two-week period. Uh, So we can expect about double that number, I guess somewhere around 3 million. Moving on uh, to the next uh, thing to talk about, we saw both Marsha Blackburn and Phil Bredesen uh, return to Chattanooga for one last showdown. Uh, They weren't going head-to-head, but we did have uh, the president come in last night uh, around 7 p.m. Eastern time to hold a rally, his third overall since uh, Marsha Blackburn entered the campaign. Uh, Phil Bredesen tried to counter it proactively by holding his own event in Chattanooga, uh, about 15-minute walk down the street. Uh, I was there along with Matt Lakin of the Knoxville News Sentinel, and essentially Bredesen tried to tout his his you know historic uh, you know experiences his personal, uh, uh, you know, history. He also went into a couple of interesting caveats, one of which was about how America is an exceptional country and needs to kind of be that, that shining city on the hill again. Uh, and he tried to, uh, you know, almost undercut the divisive rhetoric that we've seen coming out of the Republicans often, and including the president. Uh, he pointed out that some of the rhetoric that he anticipated coming out of the president that night uh, would not be said by uh, Ronald Reagan and uh, uh, former President Kennedy. Um, what did you guys make of of sort of the the Marsha Blackburn rally? I mean, what, it seemed pretty much as anticipated. Yeah, there were eleven to twelve thousand, depending on who you ask, supporters there. They waited in line for hours, and they were they were excited to be there. The president himself seemed kind of tired. As Jeb would say, he seemed a little low energy. He's done 11 of these, so he didn't take up the full hour for his speech that he was allotted, according to the Secret Service. Uh, he spoke for about 45 minutes, and then he, he walked off. And he didn't, I mean, I've seen him multiple times. I've been to multiple events. The crowd was enthusiastic, but I think, you know, when it came to issues like the caravan, he obviously talked about that, the migrant caravan uh, from Central America traveling north. Uh, he talked about how the Democrats are this, you know, uh, party of mobs, not jobs, and Republicans are, are in favor of jobs. But I, I, I don't think that he launched into the usual vitriol that he normally kind of has. He didn't really go after the fake news media all that much. Just a couple times, but yeah, not much. And, and I wonder, Joey, is that a sign of just the, you know, the, the kind of the, the difficulty of traveling from 11 cities in six days, or is this just at certain points he admitted that the Democrats might actually kind of win, you know, on Tuesday. Yeah, he did. He, he was, you know, urging everyone to go out and he said a couple of times, who knows, but maybe, who maybe knows? they'll be fine. Maybe the Democrats will be fine. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he was coming from Macon, Georgia, where he'd been hours before. Um, and I, I think the event itself isn't so important. What, what, what the Trump and, and, and Blackburn are trying to do is make this an election uh, as a make it a referendum on Trump. And, you know, they have good reason to believe that if they do that, then they're going to have success. Because as we've noted in recent polls, it looks like Trump's approval rating has increased by about almost 10 percent 
percentage points here in Tennessee. So if they can just hammer that home, hey, if you like Trump and you don't like the Democrats, you know, vote for Blackburn. I mean, that's essentially what the the closing message has been. And, and he has said that at his rallies, a right. vote for Marsha is a vote for me. Yeah. Right? So they're just trying to make this as simple as possible for, for voters out there. And we'll see whether that works. You know, as far as Trump, he's being deployed right now to a lot of uh, historically uh, politically red states where he won the, the elect, you know, his election in 2016 to campaign uh, for these U.S. Senate seats. He's been to Montana, West Virginia, uh, obviously here, Tennessee, Missouri, Florida. All these places are states where he won. He's not focusing as much on the, uh, you know, the House races where are largely being played out in suburbs, you know, outside of D.C. and Chicago and Denver and elsewhere, uh, you know, where I think maybe some of the, some of his messaging might not be as, a, as appealing. So they're focusing on the, the, the Senate race. And that's happens to be, you know, you know, where Tennessee, uh, you know, is kind of ground zero right now as we you know head into Tuesday. Overall, heading into Tuesday, we've written several pieces about these events. You can go check them out. You can check out the sort of closing arguments that Bredesen and Blackburn are making. Uh, Bredesen, of course, trying to stress his ability to reach across the aisle, the ability to downplay the rhetoric and to be the, quote, adult in the room. Blackburn, of course, framing herself as an extension of the Trump administration of saying, hey, I'm going to be there to support his proposed wall. I'm going to be there to kick out, you know, any illegal immigrants that may come into our country. Uh, So it's really um, uh, obviously they're both framing this in a very different way. Um, Let's move quickly to the governor's race. We, you know, we haven't heard much from them. Obviously, they've been touring uh, the state throughout uh, the last week or so. The recent polls suggest that it, it still remains Bill Lee's to, to lose right now, it, it appears, Natalie, right? Yeah, that's right. You know, you can tell that the Dean campaign is really trying to make a last effort to rally the vote. Dean the other day said he would he would call a special session of the legislature to take up Medicaid expansion. Of course, that's something he's campaigned on the whole time. And it, it seems like, you know, things haven't improved for him a lot as far as the polling goes, but they're, you know, they're still out there campaigning. Well, and Bill Lee's, uh, I think his final ad, he actually calls Carl Dean a, a, a good, good man. A good man. Yeah. So, so something along those in the in that ad. It seems like it, they're pretty confident they're going to be able to, to, to win on Tuesday. We'll see, obviously not taking anything for granted. But Dean, throughout this race, as we've talked about, has kind of struggled to find his footing in this and figure out exactly how to to contrast himself with Bill Lee. And, and I think most people are expecting, you know, Bill Lee to win on Tuesday. Well, and it's also interesting because if you look around the country, there are some places that are historically really Republican. I'm, I, I mean, I used to work in South Dakota and it, it may not interest listeners, but it, it is a race that has not had a, a Democratic governor in something absurd like 60 years. The Democrat there is a 30-some-year-old uh, rodeo guy, and he's running against a Republican Congress and it's a very close race. And so I think if you look at that and compare it to Tennessee's governor's race, it, it's got to be that Bill Lee just connected with people, that he is sort of this independent, he wasn't part of any establishment. And so it, to, to have Carl Dean not connect with folks, much like other Democrats have done in other states, it's a difficult thing for, the, for, for him right now, it seems. Yeah, if only he were a rodeo guy. 
<laughs> I mean, Billy does have the cattle farmer thing going for him. So, could you imagine Carl Dean doing rodeo? That'd be interesting. Anyway, anyways, let's move on to our final segment here. Uh, predictions. You know, we obviously don't want to uh, make too many people mad with this, but it, it, it seems right now, at least on the governor's race, it's going to be Bill Lee, doesn't it? It does seem that way. Yeah, he has he has had a double digit lead in you know most of the polls, and there were even some recent polls up twenty points now. Whether I, I think most people think that's a little wide, right? But still, yeah, I mean, the, you know, the, the, the Dean people would argue the, the gap is is not as as wide as the polls would have you believe, but consistently the polls have shown Bill Lee with a strong advantage. And I think unlike many people that are either moderate, Republican, independent, etc., they're willing to maybe pull the lever once for Phil Bredesen or for Carl Dean, but they're not going to pull it twice. Is I what I hear a lot of people say that they're not going to do both Phil Bredesen and. Carl Dean. So if they don't do one, it's probably not going to be, you know, Carl Dean that they're willing to do. Uh, So uh, let's talk Senate race. Joey, um, you've said all along that you think this is Marsha Blackburn's race to lose. Is it still? Did I say that all along? I mean, I I think that, yeah. That she she had the advantage. Yeah. I mean, running in a state where Trump won by 26 points, I think going in, you know, that, that is definitely the case. I mean, in terms of who wins, I mean, again, I point to that, that, there is going to have to be a, sort of a sea change in some of these uh, suburbs around Nashville where people are moving, which is, has a lot of uh, college-educated voters where Democrats are, are doing better than they used to do. And I think, you know, for Bredesen to win, he's going to have to outperform in these areas that have historically been Republican. Because, again, I, I, I tend to think I've got a hard time believing he's going to win some of these very rural counties that, that Trump won with, like, 80%. So... You know, I mean, I'm sort of looking at that as a barometer there. Plus, obviously, this goes without saying, Bradison's going to have to have massive uh, turnout in Davidson County, Shelby County. He's gotten the the Davidson part of that. Shelby, it seems to be more of a mix, uh, unclear whether he's going to get the level he needed. If You know, if you look back at 20, 2006, I mean, I think a lot of people think Ford might have won that if they would gotten the kind of presidential level turnout they needed in Shelby County. He didn't get that even though he is from Memphis. So... That's going to be something that obviously has to happen. And then Bredesen will have to win Knoxville and and, and, and Chattanooga as well. So. For for Phil Bredesen to win, I keep saying he needs a royal flush. He needs everything to go his way. The weather needs to be right. He needs a high voter turnout, not just in Davidson. He needs it in Shelby. And it wasn't as high as it probably should have been during early voting. Uh, so he needs the, that, that, that base to come out. He's, as you pointed out, he's going to need to perform in the suburbs and other areas of the state that haven't really, uh, you know, in recent years been going for Democrats. So, I mean, it still seems going into Election Day that Marsha Blackburn has a slight edge. But- yeah, and all the, the, what, seven of the last eight polls have had her with a pretty, you know, outside Correct. The, the margin of error. And please. internally, the, the Bredesen folks and I think the uh, Blackburn folks still say it's a tight race, which is indicative of how, now much, for Bredesen people, how much new what money What they have to coming. hope, I, I think, and you guys weigh in here, but is that the polling models just, are, you, you can't really accurately pull this race because of the high turnout and because Tennessee has not actually had a real contested race in so and long. And it hasn't had consistent polling. Yeah. So, so that's, that's another way to look at it. So 
I think right now the Bredesen people are saying, I'm comfortable. Uh, we're comfortable with where we're at right now in a state that went Donald Trump 26 points in 16 to be this close on the f- right around the finish line. We're happy. But it does just seem like the trends, the, the messaging of this race has favored Blackburn in recent weeks. You know, you have Bredesen saying, well, you, you know, I'm going to be able to work across the aisle and, and all this. But then you have. I think this race is interesting because Tennessee has always made the argument that it's very Republican, right? But is it as Republican as everybody believes? That's what this race is all about. Is is it going to be the far right Tea Party end of the party that's going to help push Marsha Blackburn over the top and send the state in a brand new direction? Well, really, we're a state that has traded party leadership back and forth until re- really the last 10, 12 years. Right. And you know, I know a lot of people have framed the race as such where, hey, is this going to is Tennessee going to continue to elect people in the mold of Haslam and and, uh, you know, Howard Baker and sort of that moderate person? And, and or, Phil Bredesen you know. and Carl Dean would tell you that is what Tennesseans want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we'll, and we'll see. I mean, it's but but this is the era of Donald Trump and and, you know, the state did vote for Donald Trump by 26 points. So has it moved? Is it more in vain with a lot of other states right now? We'll find out. Tuesday. So as we look to wrap up, um, just a couple of reminders. We're not going to drop our usual podcast on Tuesday. We're going to come back on Wednesday with a brand new episode recapping what happened. We'll cover some of the congressional races as well as the surprise state house races. Uh, we will be, you know, uh, coming out with an episode early if we can. We might record it late uh, Tuesday night, depending on when the results come in. You can check out all of our coverage on Tennessee and Knoxville commercial appeals websites. All all USA Today property websites. Uh, we will be providing live updates. There will not be anything in print until Thursday with election results, much to our own dismay, but that's out of our control. Uh, thanks again for listening. As usual, you can check us out on iTunes, and our podcast is produced by John Garcia. Uh, we will be coming out with a new episode Wednesday. Until then, uh, thanks for listening. I'm Joel Ebert. I'm Joey Garrison. And I'm Natalie Allison. We'll see you soon.